This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real-world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, we're going to have a uh, potential strike in the auto industry pretty soon here. Anyway, uh, it's worrisome to me because I have a car ordered. BJ Colleen has got a little bit to talk about. Carl Brower is going to be on the show later on. I'm going to ask him as well because he has the same car ordered as I do. BJ, Carl and I are very concerned. He is right now diligently trying to get as much information as he can about this potential strike with Stellantis. What got you? Well, first tell me what car you guys have ordered. Come on. Are you serious? Yo, you got the last uh, calendar, right? Is that what we're going for? A Dodge Demon 170. You know it. Yeah, yeah, you're so funny. Um, well, you know what? It's not just Stellantis. The United Auto Workers, you know, right. which is pretty much the stronghold of the industry, has put GM, Ford, and Stellantis on order. Mm. They want them to create contracts. They're saying that they made a quarter of a trillion dollars in North American profits over the last 10 years, and they can afford to pay their members a lot more. And believe it or not, the Auto Workers Union their members get paid a good sum of money. They have very good benefits. You know, it's a tough job working on a line. There's no question. You know, it's a lot of repetition. There's a lot of chemicals in the air and things like that. But they said that they're going to start uh, talking to these guys and uh, they might go on strike. There's an expiration on the deadline of the um, the contracts mid-September. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens because – if they start striking, not only are you not getting your cars, but the car supply is going to dry up on the lots again. So just when we were getting back into having a lot of vehicles on the lot, now this happens. So it's it's oh, just Lord. crazy. Oh, just crazy. Yeah, it's, it's very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. You know, there's yeah. more and more and more as the week went on. More and more information about, you know, how people are just not as interested in these electric cars as... You know what? Uh, what they've been hoping for. You know the automakers. I think the government. What the government was hoping for. Right. You right. Know? So. And you're right. They do have a, a longer day supply now. So ever automakers started making more vehicles because they thought more people were interested in more vehicles. But the bottom line is that these cars are sitting on the lots a lot longer. They've got a bigger supply, and a lot of people don't want to pay for them. You know they are getting expensive, although the prices are coming down on some vehicles, but still nothing to make it enough for everybody to just run out and get one. So, I mean, you don't want one. I don't want one. I know a couple of people that said they're not interested in getting one. So until they start forcing it on us, I don't know how that's going to happen. So it's it's interesting. You know, I think if they would stop trying to force it on people, they may have a better take rate. But I think people are leery of governmental you know, stuff. I had to see it like that. Yeah. So I don't get become too uh, controversial, but you know, and when the government gets involved like that and they start mandating this, that, and the other thing, everybody kind of goes, ah, oh, whoa, 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 hold everything here, you know, go yeah. back to old Betsy and, and get her tuned up. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, and it's yeah, funny. And you know, yeah, they go- need to offer options too. Everybody knows about hydrogen, 
but they're not even exploring that part of it. Just a couple manufacturers are, but they've already like thrown in the towel and said, okay, everybody wants EVs. We're going with EVs, but not everybody wants EVs. You know, if people knew more about the benefits of hydrogen, I think more people would want hydrogen, but they just were so busy being blindsided that this is only one way to go, which, you know, it never is only one way to go. There's always multiple ways to go. We have the technology. So why not try to make it a little bit better and give people the choices that they're looking for? Yeah. And it's just, it's, I think it'll happen eventually, but it's going to take the EV market dying before that happens. Well, so yeah. it's, it's weird. I will it's say weird. that uh, Carl will be on, uh, Carl Brower from iccars.com, and they've done a study uh, that shows the um, used car prices have stabilized a bit, except for EVs, which are catering. And, and the study shows that it's down 30% from last year. 30%. Anyway, well, he'll be here to talk about that and, and more about the strike in hour two. Uh, this is the beginning of the show. BJ bringing a little bit of news. There's a whole lot more after this. Stay with us. It is The Drive. There's more of The Drive with Alan Taylor. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Here it comes. Get ready. There it is. There it is. I don't know what it is, but there it is right there. Uh, BJ Colleen joining us. It is The Drive. And uh, she's like, we got to talk about Elon Musk and uh, Mark Zuckerberg fight. <laughs> uh, what is it? Uh, Twitter and Facebook going at it. I, I, I don't know. This could be the biggest fight of the history of the world, which is so bizarre. If you well, think about you it, question. right? If it comes on pay-per-view, will you pay for it? You know, wow. I'm one of those weird guys. I don't like to pay for anything because my slogan is, if it ain't free, it ain't for me. You know that. So I got to figure out how to use my media pass to be able to watch it for free, which I might do. It would be fun to watch. And you know, eventually you'll get a chance to watch it. But it's the not knowing who wins. But I personally think that here's my crystal ball. If you, I'll do it first, okay. then you do. Crystal balling, okay. here we go. Zuckerberg versus Musk fight. I think that Zuckerberg, because he's a human weasel, will try and do something to trip the big tall giant because, as you know, there's a quite a bit of difference in height with Musk. Yes. He will yes. try and do some weasel thing and try and trip him. 
and Musk will come down on his face with a fistful of uh, hatred <laughs> and knock the guy out. I think it's a one-round fight unless they put on a show, which you never know. You know, I, Musk may try and be Muhammad Ali and do some funny dance moves, but I think if he does, that's when Zuckerberg will try and trip him and then jump on him and get him some sort of an octopus stranglehold, you know. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? What do you think? What do you think? I think it's hysterical that we're actually even talking about this, but but you have to because the level of absurdity is just beyond anything I that, that I can comprehend. But I the know. funny part is, is that both of these guys have had such horrible negative press. You know, I think they're both trying to find a way to get back in the positive side of people's opinion, and I don't think this is going to help them. I don't think it's going to work, people, yeah. Uh, no, but a lot of people are saying this is great. You know, the poor, poor people are going to watch these humongous multimillionaires battle it billionaires. out you know, to the death. Two richest guys, two, two death. of the richest guys in the world, period. Yes, yes. So yeah. it's it's kind of like watching two kings fight over and letting the peasants, you know, into the stadium watching. But yeah. what's funny is Mark Zuckerberg just released a picture of him shirtless standing between two MMA fighters. And he's looking pretty buff. He's he's yeah. got the six pack going. He's got muscles. He's being trained by the guy's name is Israel Adesanya and Alex Volkanovsky, who are two <laughs> of the top MMA fighters. So this dude, he's not screwing around. I think he knows he's smaller than Musk, and I think he knows that he has to win this, otherwise it's gonna be really embarrassing for him because he's a smaller guy, like you said. And Elon Musk, have you seen pictures of him lately? He's got the dad bod. Going hey, on. hey, so uh, you know what? You know what? Mark Zuckerberg may have a, a little tiny one of those little itty bitty six packs, you know, with the little, the yeah. small soda cans. <laughs> but uh, Musk has got a full keg, a dad keg, you know? <laughs> so. He's got a dad keg. Yeah, he could probably just sit on him and crush him. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, and they haven't said for sure they're doing it, but they're talking about no, it. No, they've, like, they've said you know, they're going to do it. Like, what are you kidding me? Well, the bottom line is, they're both going to win because they're both going to make a ton of money. Yeah. You know, and I think at this point, their reputations are so low, it can't do anything to hurt either one of them, you know? Yeah. So it's I pay. Either that or I'd go to the casinos because I'm in Vegas and I'd watch and, you know, for free. But <laughs> right. I'd definitely bet on them. I, I, when this happens, we'll have to see what the odds are and I'll let you know. Oh, but my God. It's unbelievable. They're just <laughs> I, I wonder. I wonder how in any way, shape, or form this helps – their causes if you know what i'm saying whether it be tesla spacex or facebook or or the new this is the problem what is this little pigtail thing that you know it's a, a new social media platform that mark zuckerberg just started it's supposed to be like twitter threads. what's it called threads it threads, looks like a little yeah. pigtail yeah. or or something right a little matter of fact i went fishing the other day i cleaned a fish and in the skin of the fish was a little uh, parasite, a little worm. Looked exactly like the uh, the logo of Threads. It was a little <laughs> weaselly looking little worm. The point is that I think this helps Mark Zuckerberg far more than it helps Elon Musk because it's going to make people aware of his Threads, you know, Twitter uh, competitor. Uh, that's what I think. I think it's a a mistake in the long run. I think it's it's hilarious, but I think it's a mistake in the long run. 
for, for but they have nothing for, left to lose. That's they got the nothing. They got nothing to lose. You know, who cares? Yeah. You get a broken nose. It's all right. It's a badge of honor these days. You know, having a scar. I think people want to see these guys bleed. I really <laughs> you know what? <laughs> that you may know what? be the, it. How, how much would you be? How much would you? So somebody punches you in the face. You know, you're laughing all the way to the bank. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I got my face punched in, and and you know maybe I got some bruises and I lost, but. I just walked away with another, you know, five hundred million dollars. Right. Everybody paying to see yeah. get beat up. So, it's all you know. about money. All about money. That's it. You're right. You're right. All right, we'll take a little break. I probably will not watch it unless somebody else pays for it. Because my slogan: If it ain't free, it ain't for me. And after he's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on his heart. This message comes to you from our sponsor, Subaru, featuring the 2024 Outback Wilderness, part of the Wilderness family, with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, higher ground clearance, a turbocharged engine, and all-terrain tires. It opens up new territory for you to explore. Adventure elevated. Discover the Subaru Outback Wilderness at Subaru.com wilderness. is The Drive with Alan Taylor. And B.J. Colleen, automotive journalist extraordinaire for many years. We won't actually tell you how many, but it's like half a century or something. It's a long time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Too long. <laughs> what did you say, Elon? You still want to talk more about Musk, don't you? Or no, you said um, too not long. Not about him specifically, <laughs> but about his company, Tesla. Okay, what's because going on? Because... Yes. Well, if you're looking for some part-time work and you want a really, really easy job, all you have to do is drive a Tesla around. They'll pay you money. Huh? So Tesla, huh? yeah, Tesla is hiring a bunch of seasonal employees to drive their cars this summer. So basically, they're looking for people to get out there and drive around and collect some data that's going to help improve the vehicle's performance. So it's a three-month stint, according to job postings. They've been up there for a couple of weeks now. So you can drive during the day, you can drive during the night. There are some things that obviously you have to do. You have to make sure that you have a clean driving record, safe driving habits, a minimum of four years of licensed driving experience. And so if you're 16 years old, don't even bother, right? But it's a great little part-time job, but you, it's only in a handful of cities. So I would look in Austin and in Denver and Brooklyn and a couple of cities. So mm. I actually was looking into it. I'd say, boy, I'll go make 48 bucks an hour at night. I'm what? Wow. I know. So, but 18 between 48. But I figure with our experience, we'd probably collect a lot of money. So if you're looking for part-time work, Alan, you know, this is something that I think you, you might be interested in. <laughs> I, you know what? I could, because think, I have actually done a radio show from a car before. I was on... After Dark with George Norrie, which is one of the uh, gigantic radio shows that plays... Coast uh, to Coast. Yeah, yeah, Coast to Coast, it's After Dark. And George Norrie's father worked at Ford Motor Company. And since, at the, I think at the time I was at Car and Driver or, or Motor Train, one of the two. And so his producer, the gal that I, I've known for years, she said, George wants to talk to somebody about the car industry. Can you do like an hour or two? And I'm like, well, let's see. I'd be driving back from Los Angeles for the next 10 hours. So, yeah, <laughs> as long as he doesn't care if I'm in a car. So I happen to be driving a Chrysler 300 with 
the Uconnect, uh, the kind of the new Uconnect system was about 10 years ago. First version of the okay. Uconnect. And I got to tell you, it was amazing. I'm driving along through the Central Valley of California for several hours talking to George Norrie about all the stuff that's going on in the car industry. And I was on I was on the car hands-free speaking. You know, it was like, what are you, two feet away from the little microphone they have? You would not know it. When I heard that recording back, I was like, that is amazing, the quality of these hands-free systems that cars have these days. It was 10 years ago, you know? I always thought that the Uconnect system was one of the best ones on the market. I personally agree. I like what I have because I, I have a Jeep and it's got the next newest 2022 version of Uconnect. And I have to say, it's the most intuitive. It is the easiest to use for anybody hooking something up. It just asks you questions, yes or no, and away you go and you're hooked up. So I remember you and I used to have this conversation. BMW, iDrive. And all of the oh. trying to remember trying to pair your phone. I called it the I want to kill myself drive. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. it used to be I would sit there in a parking lot for 30 minutes, punching the dash going, come on, you stupid thing. Hook up, you know, and now it's just yes, yes, yes. Bing, you're hooked up. So, uh, but you yes, know, now I just use my Apple CarPlay. That's pretty much what I do. I get in the car and I plug it in. And now you can get wireless Apple CarPlay and right. Android Auto, too, and Except unless you have a GM product, because GM just said they're not doing it anymore. So I think, you know, actually GM dealerships are very worried because a lot of people said, if you're not putting that in the car, you're forcing me to buy a a platform like a Google Assistant or something like that. I don't want your car. So Ford is keeping theirs, and I think it's going to really help Ford sales. So we're going to see what happens with that. But I love Apple CarPlay. I plug it in. It's got my apps on there. It's got Google Maps, which is better, frankly, than the Ford Map system. Or so I'm, I'm real happy with it. All right, what else you got, BJ? Well, one more car is going away. The Mazda CX-9. There's a new 2024 CX-90 stepping in, and the CX-9. It's time to say goodbye. You know, it's been here since 2007. Sales were good the first year, and then did okay second year, and then started to drop away and. Uh, it's just another one that's it's time is going to sunset and you got to say goodbye, unfortunately. So um, you know, if you're looking for a good deal, you might want to go to the Mazda dealership and see what they have as far as CX-9 inventory because you might be able to get it for a good price. Boy, they pull the trigger on these things a lot faster. When I say pull the trigger, I mean putting it out of its misery like I did to that cow the other night with the butcher. <laughs> anyway. No, no. Yeah, we had to, number five. No. <laughs> uh, anyway. No. You know, I've got an idea after we talked about Zuckerberg and Elon Musk having a fight, a cage fight. Uh-oh. I think that maybe that uh, old our friend Tim Kaniscus, who's the president of Dodge and now Ram Trucks, Mark Royce, who's the president of General Motors, and Bill Ford, William Ford, William Clay Ford. I think those guys should do like a tag team fight because that that, that that pillow fight that I would pay for though to watch these guys two in a ring at once and if somebody gets tired because they're a little older they tag out then the other guy jumps in now that would be funny and it would be all over whether or not they should have AM radio in the cars because they're trying to get rid of that too as you know you know yeah let's fight it out let's, let's do fight it out, out. Love that idea. that's what my dad used to do my dad my, me and my brothers used to get into a fight and my mom would go stop him Roy stop him stop him my dad let him kill each other the winner fights me <laughs> that's the way it was that's how we ended the fight PJ Colleen I love you thank you very much 
Thanks, Alan. This is the right song for us. That's the way you do it. Let me tell you, damn guys ain't dumb. Maybe get up the stone on your little Stay tuned. There's more of The Drive with Alan Taylor. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. And our show is brought to you by Subaru. Go where love takes you. Subaru. And uh, George Kennedy is joining us now. George is talking about life in the fast lane, testing cars, boats, sailboats. Wait a minute. That's not the fast lane. That's the slow lane. <laughs> um... <laughs> George is co-founder of Cartender.com and vice president of the New England Motor Press Association. He contributes to U.S. News and World Report, Car Gurus, Forbes Wheels, and right here on The Drive. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. That's me, George Kennedy III. Uh, 2023 Toyota Tundra Limited with off-road package. And uh, this is a very, very, very popular truck in the marketplace the new styling is perhaps a little bit controversial. It kind of looks like it should say um, USS Enterprise on the side. It looks like a spaceship. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think about the styling, first of all? Let's talk about that, George. I, you know, when it comes to full-size trucks, I think such a big part of it is, you know, the, the styling trend of the past decade has definitely gone towards bigger, more in-your-face, bolder they simply couldn't just make a, a you know, a, a knockoff ripoff stylistically to one of the, you know, the big three American trucks. So, you know, they're right to do something on their own. These trucks aren't necessarily always the work site regulars like the, the Silverado you'd see. They're more lifestyle vehicles. So you would want a, a truck that's more in line with that kind of lifestyle, you know, being outdoorsy weekend adventure kind of stuff. So I was behind one the other day. And it had these gigantic taillights, big, you know, vertical, tall taillights. And if it didn't say Toyota on the back, or, or maybe it said Tundra, but I think Toyota, I would have thought, well, that must be the new Chevrolet. It looks more of an American truck than it does of a Japanese machine. Now, can well, you even it, say it, that? Is that being prejudiced? I don't know. Well, no, I, A, yes, you are right that from the the rear three-quarter area, I've even confused it for an American truck. But also, this is an American truck. I mean, yes, it's the Toyota, but, you know, they have a giant 
foothold in, in the United States, you know, they, in Texas. You know, so these vehicles are designed, especially the trucks, the full-size trucks, are designed in America, you know, for America and built in America. Yes, but follow the money home to where it is uh, spent and invested, which is Japan. I get it, made in America, but the parent company's in Japan, just like some of the German cars that are made in America. It's still, it, you know, I, I like and personally. Some, and some American automakers, you know, build their in trucks, Mexico. In, trucks in and Mexico. I know, so. I know. But I still like to support the American automakers best I can. So I don't want to fool myself. You're, you're, su- you know? you're supporting American jobs, though, in Texas. I, I get that. I get that. But I don't want to fool myself and say, oh, it's made in America. Because I have friends that are such hardcore Americans. They won't buy anything that's not made in America. I am not that way. I don't well, mind and, buying and here's other the thing, things. Though, then they're going to have to buy a, a a wooden wagon because down to the electronics, down to the subsystems, to the you know the, the Bosch fuel injectors. Good luck with that. <laughs> right? No, 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 no. I, I get it, and that's why it's so really difficult. I am not prejudiced in any way, shape, or form, except on the China side. Yes, I'm prejudiced there. If I buy something that's made in China, I punch myself right in the throat, which hurts. By the way, I've done it a few times. But I, I, I just don't want to support companies that don't – well, let's not get too political, but you know what I'm saying. There are certain values and principles that the person has to live by. So, and, and there's nothing wrong with Toyota. I love Toyota. I think Toyota does a great job. I think BMW and Mercedes-Benz and Ford and General Motors and Dodge and all, all these – All of which you know, have factories in America, by the way. No, exactly. <laughs> but it's not an American truck, even though it's made here. It's a, it's a Japanese truck. And that's why we were talking just for a second there. That's why it's such an important truck because people have come so accustomed to Toyotas being such good machines. We'll just call it that way. All of their vehicles are such good machines that they are willing to spend more money on a Toyota than they would on the same of any other automaker because they have a built up confidence level in the manufacturer, even though it's a Japanese truck maker. Again, I don't care if it is, but this is a very important vehicle. But I think that they personally, I think they made it look a little bit, um, boy, spaceship looking. That's why I thought. They made, they made it, they designed it around the times. I mean, this is you know, sort of following automotive design trends. Yeah, look, it stands out in a crowd for sure. Yeah, for sure. No question. Gigantic grill, very geomechanical, sharp lines on it. And I, did, I don't think it looks bad. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it looks bad, but I just had to do a double take and go, wow, that's a Toyota? And I think <laughs> Toyota has done really good, or I've done a great job on their designs lately. The Camry, when you see a Camry, the newest one, with uh, you know with a, with a whatever, it's sport package or whatever, you look at it and go, what is that, a BMW? What, what? Wait a minute, what is that? A Toyota Camry? There used to be a refrigerator going down the road was a Toyota Camry, you know? Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox now, George. <laughs> How's the truck, by the way? <laughs> sure. So it, one thing I will say, and I really appreciate this, is it really seemed like they talked to truck owners. I don't know what their design process was or their you know product development process was, but I'm sure they talked to owners, either current owners or former owners of Tundras and owners of other trucks to figure out what's important. And what you'll notice is, there's storage everywhere. There's cup holders everywhere. There's, you know, the, uh, the, the center console, I'm pretty sure, has a gun safe in it. Wow. So 
there's storage everywhere. And not, not only that, but if you look in some, some modern trucks, what, what I'm seeing with, say, like the GM and Ram trucks is sort of a, a trend with certain trims towards almost making it like a, a sedan that tows, you know, 14,000 pounds. This interior is a truck interior. It's got a conventional shifter. It's got, you know, large center console. It's got a place for everything. Yeah, there's a massive touchscreen, you know, but there's still conventional controls for the climate, heated and cooled seats. It really thought through in terms of truck ownership. Well, you know what's funny about truck owners? They are not regular vehicle buyers. They are very discerning. They have certain things that they want. They are very brand-specific the GM guys can't stand the Ford guy's truck and the Ford guy can't stand the GM guy's truck. You know, what does Ford stand for found on road dead? You know, they, they have all these things they say. I can't remember. Some of them have rude words in them, so I can't even repeat it. That is the closest one I could come to repeat. Yeah, Calvin pissing on the logo. <laughs> oh, exactly, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, right, right. Exactly. So what kind of a buyer is a Toyota buyer, That Toyota truck buyer? That's Therein lies a very different very hmm, thinking person that thinks differently than the truck that the people that are stuck on a specific brand. Now they may say to you, well, the brand I chose was Toyota. And then they'll give you 50 reasons why where the Ford guy says, I bought it because it's a Ford. I bought it because it's a Chevrolet. I bought it because it's a Ram. But the, I bought it because daddy had one. And that kind of stuff. But but <laughs> with the Toyota buyer, they have done their research. Different kind of buyer, which is very interesting. Are you a Toyota buyer out there? Am I telling the truth? Am I full of baloney? Oh, baloney? Baloney sandwich. I think it's time for a break. Time for a baloney sandwich. The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget, never settle, never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Well, you're listening to The Drive, very opinionated. Yes, I think it's important to have opinions. Uh, otherwise, we're just all the same. But uh, I will say truck buyers are perhaps more opinionated than most vehicle buyers. Some people buy a vehicle to get from point A to point B, B or V in that case. Um, and then, But truck buyers, that's their lifestyle is their truck. I have a Jeep Gladiator diesel, and I have a GMC one-ton dually. It's a not a crew cab. It's an extra cab. It's still got four doors, but smaller doors in the back. George Kennedy the third joining us here, talking about the Toyota Tundra Limited with TRD off-road package. George, I will tell you, every time I get in my truck, there's something special. Either one of my trucks, even my little Jeep, there's something special about a truck. You get in a car. You don't get the same. You're not ready. You're not like a fireman. The fireman is a fireman, <laughs> even when he doesn't have his fireman suit is on. That, is that how you fashion yourself? Yeah, you hop in your truck. You I know, do. You put on your fire hat. I'm ready to go. You start, you start going wee woo wee woo out the window. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, you know what's funny? You know why? In my truck are chains. I have an axe. 
I have a machete, a big old machete in case I have to There's fight stuff somebody. For truck stuff. Yeah, I got, yeah, truck stuff. I got, uh, I've, I've got an extra fuel tank with a spigot to where I can fill somebody's tractor up. Not well, not yeah, because it's that dyed fuel, you know, the diesel that you can't put in cars. Anyway, but I have this truck is my Swiss Army knife, and I think a lot of people when they own trucks they feel ready for anything that can arise. So when you get in this Toyota, you said it's very car like. Again, Toyota's doing some really interesting things, but uh, continue well, on. Well, actually, no. Uh, so what really was, I was saying that, you know, some of the legacy automakers like Ram have gone to a very, you know, car-like interior. This feels like a truck interior. Oh, it's okay. Spacious. I misunderstood It's, got, that. it's okay. got room for all your gear. Yep. It feels very utilitarian, but also modern. And okay. what I really like is, you know, there's a move towards trying to very seamlessly integrate the touchscreens and everything. This goes, here's the touchscreen. It's slapped on the dash. Here's also a stuff for all place for all your gear. And I think in doing that, they make more room as opposed to trying to make something that, you know, is very stylistically pleasing or attempts to emulate an SUV interior. This goes for the same Swiss Army knife concept that you're going for. How much money, because this Toyota Tundra TRD limited, that's already a lot of money. And then with the off-road TRD off-road package, which again adds more money. This thing's got to be seventy. Uh, you went a little high, actually, and oh. that was a pleasant surprise. So, oh. for a little context, the starting MSRP for the Tundra for SR base trim extended cab is thirty-eight thousand and change. The limited trim starts at fifty thousand. Mm. Our crew max, whatever you want to call it, with a five and a half foot bed, costs fifty-seven thousand. And with all the options, including that TRD off-road package and the panoramic moonroof, that clocked in at $67,000. So if this was a showcase showdown, you would have lost. <laughs> yeah, but I would have been pretty damn close. <laughs> but, but. Yeah, you, hey, look, as Bob Barker says, you got to go as close as you can without going over. Well, that's true, without going <laughs> over. Um, isn't that bizarre that we can spend so much money and they can sell every one they will build and that, yet, you know. that's not a eye-watering amount in the full-size truck segment. I mean, that's, that's, I would say, a little under par for the course for the limited trim. Now, granted, they have higher trims like the Platinum and the 1794. The TRD Pro, the full, the full boat TRD Pro, starts at 70000 and that's got even more hardcore off-road equipment. Their range-topping model, which is the Capstone, so that's on par with the GMC Sierra Denali, that starts at $77,000. Oh, good Lord. So this, in, in that context, for what you get, I mean, you're talking heated and cooled seats. You've got all the safety gear, you know, in a truck this size in 2023, it's got all the things you need, like parking sensors, 360-degree parking camera. It's got a nice bed step that pops out from underneath the, um, underneath the rear bumper that all you have to do is sort of nudge it with your foot. And it pops out, and it's very. It'll hold plenty of weight. It'll hold you and me combined. And it's got all these other just very clever features and, and like the right content for the time, and at a decent price. You know, in the context of the full size truck right. market. Well, you know, I uh, having a dually, uh, dual rear wheels, one ton, uh, GMC with his gigantic bulbous bed that they put on the one ton duallys. I've lived with it now for a number of years, and I am really just sick of it. 
Um, because you can't get in the bed. You can't get over the bed. You, I mean, it's like gigantic. So I finally, uh, I've been looking for a while, and I find a beautiful flat bed made out of aluminum. You know, it's like a ridiculously expensive bed. Somebody paid ten or 12000 bucks. But I bought it for 2500 bucks, so I'm going to install it on my truck so I will have a flat bed. I am that much of a farmer now, George. Wow. I yes, am gonna you have are. a You're flat going, bed. Are you, are you sitting in uh, overalls in your recording booth? <laughs> Can you see me? I didn't think this wait a minute, where's the camera? Who's got the camera on me? I do have I have overall shorts and cowboy boots on, if you must know. Uh, we'll take a is, break. Talk, talk, talk about eye <laughs> More more with George Kennedy right after this. It is the drive. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Mississippi. Stay tuned. There's more of The Drive with Alan Taylor on the road ahead. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Well, it is The Drive all across America. I'm Alan Taylor, our show brought to you in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Uh, George Kennedy's here uh, talking about the uh, Toyota Tundra pickup truck. Um, In the next hour, we're going to have, let's see, I have Carl Brower teed up in the last part of the show, and he's going to talk about a potential... UAW strike. He's doing the information uh, search right now, see what's going on. Also, uh, and coming up next is uh, Lauren Fix, who's <laughs> she's always very outspoken. Anyway, George Kennedy here. George, such an important truck. We're going to give it a couple more minutes. And then you wanted to talk about uh, something happened overseas, uh, some sort of a hill climb. But uh, real quickly, real quickly, the Toyota Tundra, 67000 bucks as you drove it with the uh, limited TRD off-road package. Was there anything that makes you just go, you know what, I would buy this over these other trucks because? Anything like that? Well, you know, I would say the, the packaging was great. One of my takeaways is, you know, you and I talked about the Ford Raptor, not the R, but the, the EcoBoost V6 Raptor. And this is an entire V6 lineup. There is no V8 engine offered. Really? Okay. It is three different twin-turbo V6s, mm. um, 348 horsepower, 389 horsepower, and then a hybrid V6 with 437 horsepower. Okay. That's the one that we drove. It's called the iForce Max. And in addition to it being very, you know, absolute stout acceleration, they managed to make a V6 sound good. 
But wait a minute. And uh, that, how much? How yeah. much is that truck? So that's the one that we drove with the iForce Max. Oh, uh, we okay. drove the, oh. the model with the 437 horsepower oh. uh, hybrid V6. Now it still gets like 19 city, 22 highway, 20 combined. So you're not getting mega fuel economy gains from the hybrid. More it's the a, hybrid tech is being used to add performance. Power. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And exactly. I get that because you know, listen. Big, heavy, what do they think weigh, you know, two and a half, three, three tons probably? So, yeah, you want that electric boost right there at that uh, coming off the line or passing somebody. And that normally would come with gasoline with a bigger engine. But in order to have the smaller engine and have the boost you want, they do a hybrid setup, which I that's probably the one I would buy if you want to know the truth. Yeah, it's a clever packaging and... I forget which engine allows this, but when properly equipped, it can the Tundra can tow up to twelve thousand pounds. So, twelve thousand is sort of where the American full-size trucks were at a couple of years ago. You know, I think they're up to fourteen for the F one fifty, but twelve thousand is is pretty darn good. I think that's plenty because anybody is crazy if they tow more than that much weight. That's a that's a massive amount of weight. If you're going up that way, if with you're going a half that, ton, you should, be, you should be stepping up to full size. Right, I was going to say with, with a half ton, need to make sure I make right. sure that was inserted in there because that's a ton of weight. No, it's an actually six tons of weight <laughs> with a half ton <laughs> truck because you still have to have braking power and you don't want to have the tail wagging the dog. If you know what I'm saying, that's a lot of weight pushing that truck down the road. Anyway, okay. You liked it, though. You give it a couple double thumbs up. Is that what it sounds like? I did, yeah. It was, once again, it's, you know, take away sort of your preconceived notions. Uh, if, you're, if you're coming into a truck you know, and not having driven a truck your entire life, like, look at it this way. They have done all the things to bring in all the features and functionality of a regular car, put it in the packaging, a very useful utilitarian pickup. Whether you're a weekend warrior or using it for a work site, I think it'd be good to get the job done. Yep. Well, in the next hour, we're going to have Lauren Fix. She's got a story on her page called uh, Gas versus Hybrid versus EV. She says a lot of people don't know the difference these days. Um, versus plug-in, right? And, and that was, yes, I'll, I'll throw that in there because a plug-in is different. P-H-E-V. Anyway, right. Um, all right. One minute for the Goodwood Hill Climb. Is that what it is? Yeah, so if you're looking for something to do, if you're up early on Saturday morning, really early actually, pop on YouTube and there's a channel for the Goodwood Festival of Speed. And this takes place on an estate in the UK every year. The lord of that estate, Lord Marsh, is just a super motorhead. And he opens up his grounds. He's been doing this for decades now, where they have motorsport events, hill climbs, and this isn't just like a hill climb of, of rally cars. And yes, there are rally cars, but they're like the Audi Ur Quattro, historical cars. Mm. They have Formula One cars, hyper cars. They'll take American hot rods. I mean, mm. this is a like top tier. If you're into automotive history and current automotive trends, you'll see really cool stuff. And I think it's free on YouTube. It goes on for hours. Uh, Goodwood Festival of Speed. Sounds like fun. I have uh, talked to folks that have done it before. Kind of wanted to go at one point, but it's a damn long way to go. So TV is a better option, I think. George, thank you. (laughs) That's right. Coming up next, hour two with uh, Lauren Fix, Car Coach Reports, and uh, Carl Brower from IC Cars. We'll be right back. Hey. 
This message comes to you from our sponsor, Subaru, featuring the 2024 Outback Wilderness, part of the Wilderness family. With standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, higher ground clearance, a turbocharged engine, and all-terrain tires, it opens up new territory for you to explore. Adventure Elevated. Discover the Subaru Outback Wilderness at Subaru.com wilderness. This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, if I add to the mix a female that is a automotive expert, radio and television host, and automotive car coach, uh, that would be Lauren Fix, carcoachreports.com on the web. Uh, then together, I'll ask the dumb questions. She'll give the smart answers, and you guys may learn something. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I know you have a story about gas versus hybrid versus electric at carcoachreports.com. You say mm -hmm. people are still confused by the different things. I know when I have gas. Trust me, and so does my family. Is that what we're talking yeah. about? So. Your wife tells you to leave the room. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Anyway, so uh, gas versus hybrid versus electric. I'm not confused by it. What I am more confused by is when it's a plug-in hybrid or not. And a lot of people think that uh, all hybrids are plug-in, and they're not, if you know what I'm saying. So yeah. I don't know. Where do you want to go with that this? You tell us your story. Well, the first thing we do is we tell everybody – you know, what's going on so they understand the different propulsions. Because I think that's the biggest confusion. Is they're like, I know what that is. You know what gas is, obviously. It's gas. I'm easy yeah. to plug in. But the hybrid is, is the best of both. But there's two versions. And that's what I think confuses people. There's a plug-in hybrid. They call it a PHEV or a PHEV, depending on what brand you're working with. Or it's a hybrid. Like when you're thinking of a Prius. We've all known the Prius around forever. And the Prius itself is all-inclusive. So in other words, it doesn't need to be plugged in. You always get phenomenal fuel economy. The new one's even better. It's like 55 miles to the gallon. I think that's the best solution if you're looking for fuel economy and transportation. But if you're thinking, no, I want that $2,500 tax credit that the state's offering, they're trying to incentivize us to do it, then look into a plug-in hybrid. Again, they do sell the Prius that way. And they, again, it's called the Prime but a lot of other brands have it as well. Toyota has it, Ford has it, and you can then have the best of both worlds. So when you're driving around town, maybe you live in an area where you can go to a local market and you never go above 30 miles an hour because of your neighborhood and the roads around it, you'll never get off of electric. It'll just be fine. After 35 miles an hour, it transitions to gas, mm. and then it's a combination of the two. So when you put your foot in a traffic light, if you're just driving it every day, you'll instantly see the electric push, and the transition into gasoline, and you don't see it, it's really seamless. Mm. And there's so many of them out there, they're going to be very popular with both forms of hybrid, because people want the great fuel economy, the quick launch off the line when they need it, the ability to pass if they need to, and still get the best of everything, and not that range anxiety, like, uh-oh, there's no charger around. And the last charger I was at, someone was parked there. Every time I go by, the guy who works there who's got his Nissan Leaf plugged in while he's at work, 
he's leaving it there all day. He was there at 6 a.m. He's not leaving until he's leaving. <laughs> and so that is a problem. I see that at the airport all the time. It drives me crazy. There's two outlets at the Buffalo airport. And there's always a guy with a Nissan Leaf. It's almost a joke now. Like, I'll get there early and I'll park my car, you know, for a 6 a.m. flight. So I'm there like 4.45. And I park my car and I always walk by to see if that guy, if that guy must work like overnight or something. Because that vehicle is <laughs> always on the charger. Right. <laughs> or he doesn't, he just leaves it there. That's I'm not sure. So my daughter has a, what is it, a, 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 a Chrysler. You told me, the Pacifica the, plug-in, Yes, right? thank you. And she tells me she will never buy another vehicle that is not a plug-in vehicle. And they can go, you know, like you said, kind of 30 miles on electricity. And uh, yeah. and when they come to my house, they plug it in. So, yeah, but uh, you're paying for it. No, I know, I know. And luckily, it's not that big of a deal, but uh, I think it's yeah. a great thing. So uh, the story, is there a crux to the story? Is there one thing that you felt was the most missed ver- with gas versus hybrid versus EV? A couple things. First off, people think that there's no maintenance on electric vehicles. That is absolutely a lie. Anything that's moving, that means every car. Anything that's got moving parts, needs maintenance. Yeah. For electric vehicles, they go through tires really quickly. People do not realize that. And they're between 250 and 400 bucks a tire, plus the disposal, the amount, the, disc, the balance, and all that stuff. Right. So keep that in mind. For hybrids, and my daughter has a hybrid SUV. She's got the Jaguar F-Pace. She bought it. The guy was going through a divorce. She had a killer deal on it from the dealer. And she's at 15,000 miles. And she goes, I need brake pads. I go, what? I used to be a brake designer. I go, brake pads should go for 50,000 miles. Nope. Dealer says every 15,000 miles because it uses the rejet brakes. Oh, man. Well, you know what? When we come back, I want to ask you advice. I'll I'll give you, I'll tee it up for you. Uh, I have an RV. My son-in-law says, why don't you put a lithium battery in it instead of those lead-acid batteries for the, the, the house batteries? I want your opinion on you if you think it's... On that. Well, well, that's the thing. The bill is right. So uh, we'll talk more on the other side. Lauren Fix, Car Coach Reports. You can find her story on gas versus hybrid versus electric at carcoachreports.com. This is The Drive. We'll be right back. I'll give you Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Well, you're listening to The Drive all across America. I'm Alan Taylor. Lauren Fix joining us, thecarcoachreports.com. And so, Lauren, my uh, coach is about four years old. And the house batteries, so if you're dry camping, which means you're not plugged into anything and you have to use your generator, there's 
typically like four batteries on a bigger coach that run all of the lights and all the stuff inside, even your microwave. And, and they're, they're big, you know, they're like, they're not big, but they're, yeah, they are big and they're expensive too. They're like $350 a piece. Okay. Oh yeah. And so you're talking, what is that? 1400 for four batteries. We went, uh, we went camping over the weekend uh, last week, and I, I was smelling this kind of rotten egg smell. And, of course, I asked all the kids if anybody had passed gas. Nope. <laughs> and uh, gas versus uh, yeah. hybrid versus anyway. And so then I went outside, and I thought, you know, that does kind of smell like a battery that's, you know, like a hot battery. So I opened the compartment, oh and, oh, boy, these batteries were swollen. I mean, they looked like they were going to explode. Like I, I thought, oh, I'm backing off. And that's, that's some mm-hmm. dangerous gas coming out of those things. So anyway, we got home. You know, I, I, we just uh, kind of didn't know what to do other than just not really use too much. Anyway, we went ahead because mm-hmm. I was getting ready to come home anyway at that point. We went home, and I disconnected everything, and I tried to take one of the batteries out. They had gotten so hot that they had, like, stuck together. Think about oh, yeah. that. Think about how hot those suckers had to get. Were they old? They must have been old. No, batteries. they're four years old. That's not that. That's not that old. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, the, yeah. and the vehicle only has thirty three hundred miles on it, so it's not like it's been on the road a lot. The point is, it overcharged or something and baked these batteries. So, my son in law says, um, you know, I got a lithium battery, and it's it's a um, much better deal. It's like I'm just looking at it right now. It's a twelve volt. It's called Life Pro Four Plus. Mm-hmm. It's got a built-in. How much was that? Well, that's the thing. It's got all kinds of built-in things that you know, blah blah blah. Well, this one's seventeen hundred and fifty dollars, but you get a hundred dollars off at checkout right now. Anyway, so sixteen. Yeah, right. You know all those kind of things. Ten percent off, right? But yeah. what do you think about changing from lead-acid batteries to these lithium batteries? What are your thoughts on, on RVs and things? You know, I think for RVs, it makes sense if you need them and you've got the cash flow. I think the thing is with all of them, they have to have a shutoff. And that's part of the problems they're having with a lot of low-priced electrical plug-in items. You plug something in, you leave it alone, you disappear for a week, you come back, you go, wow, this thing is hot. Because it never, it never, once it reaches its full charge, it just keeps maintaining that charge. Right. But sometimes it can keep going and going and going. And we see that with a lot of these scooters and e-bikes. That's what with your batteries. The, the charger never shut off once the battery was fully charged. The battery doesn't have to bring the charger. Right. So if you're using a generator, you're putting direct power into it. And so eventually it got so hot that they baked. When you're dealing with lithium, they can do the same thing. It depends on the ones you buy. You buy the really good ones that are drop-in replacements. That will work. You get longer life. You get about 2,000 cycles out of them. So they last about 80% longer. Of course, the price is 80% more. But I guess it's six or a half dozen of another. The nice thing about them is they do last longer. But again, you still need to make sure that whatever you're charging them with, you have some sort of check, uh, like an electrical check system in there that shuts off once the battery is fully Well, charged. so that's what I like about this. It says with the upgraded battery management system, you can rest easy knowing your battery is fully protected against overvoltage, undervoltage, overheating. Over current short circuits, this advanced system ensures ultra reliability and uh, safety for your battery, plus the upgraded auto balancing technique 
Your battery life is maximized, getting you the most out of each cell pack. That means you even uh, blah, 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 blah. Let me get to this. Gets 15,000 cycles or 10 years of everyday use. I like it. Is there it. a warranty it's, with that? Oh, yeah. Get a warranty ten, with that. 10-year <laughs> warranty. Let me just tell you. So That's he, good. Yeah. I, and well, I, thanks I may have those. You need a file. Well, you should. You, you probably do. I keep a file on everything. If yeah. I take it through well, a inspection, wiper, blades, anything, because if something goes wrong, the first thing they ask you is, sir, do you have a receipt for that? Yeah. And you're like, uh, it's in the trash somewhere. No, no. The, I, think, uh, I think this is the way to go because... Uh, yeah, I just the Makes gas, sense. the gas that was coming out of there smelled worse than really bad food combination beans and fruit. You know what I'm saying? We'll take a break. <laughs> that does not sound good. <laughs> Lauren Fix is with us. When we come back, uh, there's a whole lot more to talk about here on the drive, and you can find Lauren Fix at CarCoachReports.com. This is the drive. Stay with us. Never carries a lot of weight. Never forget. Never settle. Never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger, and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. And our show brought to you in part by Subaru. Love. It's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. And their slogan now is, go where love takes you. Oh, yeah. Lord <laughs> Fix. Lord <laughs> Fix. <laughs> All right. Uh, Car Coach Reports. Uh, I know you've got a bunch to talk about. Where do you want to start? Well, I just had a car transported from Colorado to Buffalo. And and that's one of the things I think with everybody moving, lots of movement going on from oh, West yeah. Coast to East Coast, North to South, South to East, whatever it might be. Right. Everybody's moving around. It seems like U-Haul is like the hardest thing to get your hands on. And um, I needed a car transported, so I called the usual suspects. We'll leave that as fill in the blank. Right. And the price was ridiculous. And then they told me it's a Porsche. So we're not talking like, a daily driver here. This is a, a special car. And if we'll take it to Michigan, park it in our warehouse, and the next vehicle that's got an open slot, we'll load your car on it and then send it there. I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> no. Because there's no, you never know when you're going to get it. You could be old and gray. We couldn't get it. Somebody else paid more. I'm not playing that game. Right. So I contacted Dynamic Auto Movers. They're out of Florida and, uh, and talked to Daniel Vasquez. He was great. I told him, here's the deal. I want the car loaded in a trailer. I want it in the front of the trailer. So it's the first one to load. I said, I don't care if it's two-place, a four-place, whatever. And then whatever comes in behind it will get offloaded. But my car never leaves that trailer till it arrives in Buffalo. And he said, I can do that. And $2,200 later, which is actually pretty reasonable, with insurance, straight up, I paid him for the whole thing up front, wanted to make sure I got it, took pictures of it loading, Took pictures of it when the guy stopped to get fuel, which was nice. Guy showed up, as promised, car did not move. He even took a picture of the odometer showing me that the car did not move. And I was the next one to drive it off the trailer. 
So I wanted to thank Dynamic Automovers. They did a great job. They also work with the NFL players and a lot of the NBA players. If you're thinking about how the heck am I going to get a car transported from A to Z, whether it be open or enclosed, check out Dynamic Automovers. They're out of Florida. They're fantastic. You know, I have had a a handful of nightmares with moving cars. I have too. Yeah, and the problem is that is the norm and not the exception. The nightmares is the norm. And so, um, right. Well, they finding, always break down. Well, they, they, they rub the bottom of the car. They put a door ding in it. They, they, you know, oh. there's always something it didn't have and or a bent suspension because somebody hooks onto a piece of suspension and, and winches it down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen everything. So I, that's why I bought car haulers many, many years ago. I used to drive. I had a CDL. I was a 10 car hauler driver. And I would oh, load. Oh, wow. I used to have yeah. a CDL, but not 10 cars. Oh, that's, yeah. I had a really cool Kenworth that would haul 10 cars. And I would hook down all my own cars, load my own cars. And, and everybody thought I was crazy. But, you know, I was a car dealer when I was young. So I would go to auctions. And the worst part was getting the cars home. And then they were, you want to hear the worst story one time? You're not going to believe this. Yeah. One time I went to Texas and went to an auction in Texas. And I bought a load of cars, which is 10 cars. Five on the top, five on the bottom. And when the vehicles got there, there was a truck. They put a truck in a spot that it shouldn't up high. So they had to lower the top rack of cars down to get to a proper height when they went through a way station. They lowered the top cars down and they crushed the roofs of the cars that were underneath there. Oh. I was and just thinking that. Let me tell you, it was a Range Rover. Idiot. One of the one of the vehicles that got crushed was a Range Rover. I mean, it, it totaled the cars. So not only was it a bummer, but the guy got out of the truck. I looked at this whole thing. He was running late, and he told me what happened, and I went and looked at the vehicles, and I said, hey, my cars are all smashed. And I was, I was like 30 years old, you know. I was hot. Yeah. Let me tell you, I was hot. And I go, look, I what, what the hell? <laughs> what, what, what have you done? What the hell? And all of a sudden, the guy started running. He ran. You really? He ran and, they, and never saw him again. And the, the, we called the company and they said, we're sorry. Don't worry. We'll send somebody. We have insurance. But it was the whole thing was just a giant, ridiculous hassle. So, yes, I've experienced yeah. it all. What was the name of that company again? Because I need to write that down. Dynamic Automovers. Okay. Ask for Daniel. Okay. He's fabulous. Well, it's, uh, you know. I'm it's, recommending to a lot of friends that have real expensive cars. A friend of mine had an Aston Martin delivered through them. I had a girlfriend have a vehicle go from Chicago to Delray where she moved. So, you know, they've done good things. Just know that every truck company, no matter who they are, can have a breakdown, a blown tire. That's normal. They put a ton of miles on their trucks and oh, trailers. Oh, heck yeah. No, but the, the, when I sold my uh, Viper, I sold my Viper to a guy in Florida. He flew here across the country to the West Coast. He flew to look at the vehicle. I took him for a ride that made him throw up. And then he said, I'll take it. And I go, do you want to drive it now? He goes, no, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm good. I'll take it. <laughs> he never drove it. That is hysterical. And so, yeah. And so then when the truck came. Cars you want to buy. Well, I mean, it only had like 3,000 miles on it. So I took him for such a ride. He was sick. Anyway, he it was just a, a turnaround <laughs> drive. And uh, 
He went back home, and when they came to load that vehicle up, let me just tell you something. That was an experience watching that car get loaded. I thought, they're going to smash one of those doors. They're yep. going to smash the undercarriage. They're going to tear off the you know, the inner fender, whatever it is. No, unbelievable. And I, I asked the guy. He You're said, lucky. He said, uh, it made it without a scratch. Lauren Fix, thank wow. you very much. Uh, Car Coach Reports. You can find her at uh, laurenfix.com. Also, she's all over the place. We'll be right back with more. Stay with us. It is The Drive. went from nothing to something. Like in the loving. It was us against the world. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. is The Drive with Alan Taylor. Well, we're on about 100 radio stations around the country talking about cars and things like that. Cars, trucks, SUVs, um, you know, electric things like bicycles, boats, RVs, cars, trucks, SUVs, because I was just talking about my battery and my, my RV. Uh, but there's also things like, you know, when you're trying to buy a new car and then there's a strike maybe going to happen. Carl Brower from iccars.com and Forbes Autos contributor and automotive analyst. Uh, he's on the board and the juror of the North American Car Truck and SUV of the Year. All kinds of stuff. But he's got the info on this because the reason why this is important to me is our show is brought to you in part by Dodge. Carl and I have both ordered the new Dodge Demon 170, which is, and I have to say it like the 170, like the devil himself. Oh, that's, that's, I got a little chill saying that. <laughs> it's terrible. Evil. Anyway, Carl, possibly a strike? What's going on? Yeah, there's a, uh, uh, contract ending, I believe it's on September 14th in uh, about two months. Please. And if they don't have a new contract renegotiated by then, there's every possibility, if not likelihood, that the UAW would strike. And that could be a real mess on all car production, but you know, let's be honest, Alan. What are we really worried about? We're worried about yeah, ourselves. <laughs> we're worried about our car production. Right. And uh, Dodge is trying to produce these Demon 170s between. Uh, well, it just got started, I think, a couple weeks ago on producing them, and they're supposed to get 3,300 done, 3,000 US, 300 Canada by December 31st. And according to what I heard, 
that's it. They can't fudge it. Well, we'll just take till January 5th, January 10th. No. Like my understanding from what Tim Kaniskas himself said is the hammer comes down at uh, midnight on the 31st. I don't know if contracts or leases for the plants are over at that point or what, but everything's got to be done. So if they can't produce those cars, and figure it's about halfway, right? If they start building them July 1st and they're going to build them to the end of the year, that's six months. And if in September, early, mid-September, there's a strike, that's about half of their allotment time. Does that mean we're only going to get 1,600, 1,700 Demon 170s done? And more importantly, are we going to get the two most important Demon 170s done, Alan? So uh, <laughs> this is kind of floating out there, and it's going to impact a lot of people. And uh, I think you and I are two examples. I'm trying to save up the money. It just doesn't seem to be working. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. You know, I hear you. I mean, I, what, do we, what does anybody do in this case? Not much. You just have to sit back and watch. It's sad. Yep. You know. Yep. What are the chances that this happens? Is it pretty high at this point? I, unfortunately, feel like it is kind of high because the last, my understanding is the last time there was a major negotiation, it was, give or take, 10 years ago when it was the... Um, recession that we just came off of. And two of the three domestic companies had to have extra help to keep from going out of business. So there was a certain amount of leverage that the automakers had with the uh, UAW to say, look, we have to have this kind of pricing and we have to have all these rules in place to protect us. And it was fair for them to say that because, you know, Alan, there were rules in there were like, oh, whether the plant runs or not, you pay us the same amount every day and da, 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 you know, and, and things were set up in a bad way for the domestics to make cars profitably until everything almost went out of business. And then it was like, maybe we need to run this whole thing better. Right. So now we're coming up on a 10 year renegotiation. The last 10 years overall have been exceptionally good, as you know, for the domestic automakers. They've made as good or better profits than they've ever made before. And the UW is sitting back there using a contract based on, you know, oh, we're, you know, poor us, we're about to go out of business from 10 years ago. So guess what they're going to want to say this time on the renegotiation? And unfortunately, Alan, where are we headed now at the industrial level, right? We got to build EVs. We're having economic concerns. EVs aren't as profitable as they uh, as a traditional car. So we are actually heading into what looks like it could be a very tough time wow. for the domestic auto industry. And they're going to want to argue that they need to negotiate in a conservative way to make sure they can control their expenses. And UAW is going to say, yeah, after the last 10 years, no, no, give us money, give us money, give us money. So this could be a very contentious negotiation. I wonder who does the negotiation. Do they have like a negotiator, you know, or is it like our buddy Tim Kaniskas, who's the president of Dodge and now the president of Ram Trucks as well? The guy was going to retire. He and I had talked. Yeah, I'll be retiring. And then all of a sudden, no, we don't want you to retire. As a matter of fact, we want you to do not just Dodge, but Ram trucks also, because he did such a good job with Dodge. He really did. He did a great job with yeah. Dodge. No, he's a talented guy. But is he the guy that does the negotiation? Because, I mean, he's a he's a good talker. I mean, yeah, he, he would be my choice. I agree, but I think the way it works is, and from what I understand in the past, is that the UAW targets a single automaker, and as opposed to trying to have like too many cooks in the pot, they go to one automaker and they try to get a contract resolved with them. The thinking being, and usually being true, that once one automaker agrees to a set of terms, the other mm. two will go for it too, and that's usually how it works. So. 
they'll go to one of the three, let's say they go to Ford and start talking to them and Ford will negotiate from their perspective, but they'll also be getting whispered in their ear from Stellantis and GM and Ford theoretically shouldn't agree to anything that only would be good for Ford and the other two won't like. Right. Um, but so it could not even be someone from Stellantis where Tim Kaniscus works that ends up being the primary negotiator. Although he also at his level will probably have some level of say to the messaging going on, whether it's directly with Stellantis talking to them or it's GM or Ford. And he's talking to those two automakers. Well, to kind of bring it into perspective for those who don't quite understand the Stellantis thing they own Dodge, Jeep, Chrysler, Ram. They also own what else is there on that? I think Renault. Renault. No, not Renault. Sorry, Citroen. Renault is. Uh, Renault is uh, Nissan, isn't it? Nissan. Right. No, no. Nissan and Peugeot. Renault are the other one. Peugeot is the Peugeot. one you're thinking Peugeot. of. Yes. There we go. See how Peugeot confusing it is. <laughs> right. Peugeot and Citroen. See, and they don't Citroen. sell those cars here, so Alan right. and I are pretty much... You know, yeah, yeah, we're in the dark on it. But Maserati, car brand. Maserati, Fiat, they have all kinds yep. of, you know, what is uh, what else do they own? Hold on, there must be, I'm missing one, aren't I? Maserati and Fiat, Fiat you're right. Peugeot. So many anyway, of them are owned by Volkswagen. So, like, Volkswagen is Fiat, so I know that's not... Them, right, right. Which it's actually, in America, it spells seat. When the first time I was, you know, saw the, the Fiat, which is S-E-A-T... I'm like, yeah, there's a car called Seat. Why didn't they just call it Pole? You know? Liver. Onion. It's true. You know, it's like, Seat? Okay. Anyway, it's Seat. But it doesn't matter to the rest of the world what the United Auto Workers are doing. So, you know, you have a global company that's in another country that owns Dodge, where we're talking about Dodge because we both have one ordered. So they're not nearly as freaked out as Ford is or General Motors. So, But I don't know. This thing really is concerning. I don't know. What are you going to do? We're we going to sit back and watch. That's what we're going to do. Well, we will report to yeah. you guys as we get more information. Um, here. The Australian song here. Pretty, talk about Vegemite sandwiches anyway. Uh, Carl Brower will be right back with some more. He's got uh, something going on with used car prices. I guess they're stabilizing. We'll be right back. Knocking at my door. Go away. Don't come down here no more. Can't you see? This message comes to you from our sponsor, Subaru, featuring the 2024 Outback Wilderness, part of the Wilderness family. With standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, higher ground clearance, a turbocharged engine, and all-terrain tires, it opens up new territory for you to explore. Adventure elevated. Discover the Subaru Outback Wilderness at Subaru.com wilderness. Do not anger the devil. If they go on strike, Carl, and my demon is not made, then the That's devil right. will be angry. That's right. <laughs> we'll transform. Uh, there'll be two. Uh, there'll be two other demon one seventies, but they won't be cars. They'll be Alan and Carl. <laughs> two demons flying through the air. Carl yeah. Brower joining us, automotive industry analyst. iccars.com is the website. He's an analyst, executive analyst. What kind of a, um, what do you have here? Some sort of a uh, something saying used car prices 
have stabilized except for used SUVs or EVs, EVs, electric. What? How can that be? Yeah, so we just released uh, a study and it talks about used car pricing. We do this on a regular basis, always watching the market. And the last three months, used car prices have dropped on a year-over-year basis, just, you know, and you know what that means. So it's like we look at March 23 versus March 22, April 23, and that's the way you want to do it. People are like, hey, something costs more, and, you know, used car prices are higher in June than they were in February. Yeah, they are always higher in June than they were in February because people are cold and they don't buy cars in February and they buy cars in June. So you have to go year-over-year to get an accurate appraisal of what car prices are doing because the same time each year, that's what you want to look at. Because the same forces are in play but, each but, year. But, 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 and one more but, but it says used car prices, which have stabilized except for used SUVs. Are they up? Is that what you're saying? What? No, except for used electric vehicles. Oh, no, right, EVs. I keep on saying SUVs, but I mean EVs, electric vehicles. Yes. But so how could that be? Was the last the last three months, used car prices dropped between like 3 and 4%. Not very much, in other words. They were basically stable. Except electric vehicles, they dropped 8.8% in January. They dropped like 16% in March. Oh, and they this dropped 29.5% oh. in June. Every month since January, every oh. month since the start of the year, they've dropped more than they did the previous month oh on a year-over-year basis. God. Nobody wants them. Alan. Yes. They're collapsing. Wow, because you know my dyslexic brain saw EVs and it converted it to SUVs, but electric vehicles fine, right? Yeah, but see, here's the thing: the proof is in the EV pudding. People don't (laughs) want used EVs because they know what they don't know, which is that they don't know what a used electric vehicle, what problems it's going to cause them. So it's the devil you know or the devil you don't know. The devil I know is a gasoline or diesel engine car. At least I know how many, roughly how many miles I can get out of one of those. But I don't know what the life of one of these EVs are. I don't know what's going to happen if we get into a crash and we've seen some pretty ugly pictures. And So people's doubts and fears are causing the used EV market to collapse. Well, it's everything. You know, Alan, there's like five factors driving their prices down, right? First, you have inflation. Everything costs more, and that makes cars cost more, right? Yeah. And EVs cost more always than the equivalent non-EV. You know, you go, buy, you go look for a small compact car, and one of them is an EV. That's the most expensive in the compact car category. You go look for a mid-sized sedan, one's, that's the most expensive. So they cost more always. They cost more than they always, always cost more because there's been inflation. Then there's interest rates. So now you're paying more for the car and you're paying more for the money you got to borrow to buy the car. Then you've got economic concerns, which whenever people are concerned about their income or their employment, maybe they're seeing a bunch of layoffs from, I don't know, Facebook and the tech industry or other things, they get more risk averse, like you were just saying. Then they don't want to try something new. The last thing they want to do is say the second most expensive thing, which is what most people's cars are after rent or mortgage, the second most expensive thing that I pay for every month, I'm going to try a brand new one, even though I'm not sure I'm going to be employed in six months. People don't do that. They either don't buy or they buy something they have complete faith in. They don't buy experimental, you know, roll of the dice type things. Right. So every single metric or factor that influences how people behave when they're buying their cars has gone against 
the EVs for the past 12 months. And uh, even gas prices have stabilized. You know, a year ago, we had a new war breaking out in Ukraine, causing oil prices and gas prices to spike. Gas prices are still stupid high. We're in, you know, in California, you pay over five bucks for premium consistently. Yeah. But they've been over five bucks for like the last six months. So, and it's always the same thing. When they're bouncing around, people freak out. When they stabilize, even at a high level, Alan, people stop thinking about it and they go on with their life. So All right. They've stabilized. So- and people aren't thinking they have to go get an electric car to escape these volatile gas prices. That's L- gone. Let me, let me read this once for those that can go to iccars.com. Let's see. It was the used car prices, which have stabilized except for used EVs, which are cratering down 30%. Since last year, this all can be found if you want to read all about it at iccars.com. Carl, I have something for you. Ready? This is the song that goes along with this particular segment. Help. Uh-oh. I need somebody. Help. <laughs> Not just Help. Help. I need somebody to sell me a gasoline engine car. Oh, my God. We'll be right back with more of Carl Brower. Stay with us. I never needed anybody's help in any way. Stay tuned. There's more of The Drive with Alan Taylor. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. I get no Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, Carl Brower is joining us. You can find him. He is a contributor to Forbes Autos. He's the uh, juror and a board member for the North American Car and Truck of the Year and SUV of the Year. And he's also something to do, I don't know, with the World Car of the Year, uh, Men in Bikinis of the Year, um... I think what else? What else was there, Carl? There was something else, wasn't there? Oh yeah, yes. if, if it's yeah. if it's a year long, if it's a yearly thing, it's a big deal. I'm involved. He's involved. Um, let's see, men chest feeding of the year is it chest feeding is what it's called. Um, it, it's a brand new thing. He's he got involved right away. Executive analyst for iccars.com. Uh, all these stories we've been talking about, I'm sure, can be found there. Um, Carl. I know you're getting ready to go on the long tail rally with your new little Porsche. Are you? I am. I am. I've got it all loaded up. It's the last week's been big time prep. Last couple of weeks, really, you know, full PPF paint protection film, you know, clear film to protect the paint and a clear plex on the windshield. 
modern iPhone adapter that plugs into the well, uh, you, you know, know I, now I, archaic. Hold on, I said system. something. I was going to say archaic because it's not really a new Porsche. You bought a used one. It was a lot of money, right. but it was a, a very special car, a 911 Turbo S. What year? 2000 yeah. what? 2012 yeah. 911 Turbo S with 1,951 miles that on is it awesome. when I bought it. That's so awesome. And just really well equipped. And most importantly, Alan, it wasn't painted black. Oh my god! It wasn't black. I, I get a little, I get a little intense when I talk about this because I seriously, I spent over six weeks scouring the Turbo S market, and you know there are too many black, white, silver, and gray cars in the world. That's my strong feeling on all vehicles and all models. But when you start going and looking at the 997 generation of Turbo S's, specifically the 997.2 generation, 2010 through 2013, Carl, Carl. they're all black. Carl. And then the rest are, are white or silver. Listen, everyone knows, and this is going to sound a little rude, that you're a Porsche file. You like to touch your car. I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the actual word for a Porsche fanatic, is a Porsche file. Am yeah. I right? Am I saying that right? Yes, you are. You are. <laughs> you I, just, I just wanted one that had some color to it. I wanted I one that it. had an interesting color to it. And then all of a sudden, this ruby red beauty oh. siren song sneaks up on me and starts calling to me from 25. And I'm searching nationwide, Alan, for six weeks. There's one in, like, New York that was dark blue. It's like, well, that's going to be a pain to go get. And then this ruby red butte shows up 25 minutes from my house. And, uh, yeah. Okay. 1,951 miles and really nicely equipped sand beige interior. Somebody went a little nutso with the check boxes on the order form and all. Every yep. single interior component that can be carbon fiber is carbon fiber. It's, it's pretty so, wild. So you take this car that is a decade old and it only has 1,900 miles on it. It's a brand new. It's been like in a uh, time machine, a time warp. What do they call that? A what do they call that when the car state, state like a stasis, a time state? Oh, yeah. like a barn find. Yeah, or, but it's you know. it's like been it's it's like brand spanking new, and you're going to drive it all across the country. But I I I know we have to tell people because Lauren Fix was on before you, and she's talking about how she just had a car shipped across the country, and I I know you're having your car shipped out to uh, Montana. Is it Montana? Is that what you're going to do? No, to Spokane. Spokane, Washington. driving across Montana. Yeah. Okay, so Spokane, Washington, from Los Angeles or Orange County, wherever. You chose reliable trucking, right? Oh, I did. Oh, I did. And reliable does all the automakers, for the most part, all, you know, they're, they're most expensive. What do they call those? Um, the concept cars. The concept the cars. They're priceless cars. Everything cars. special, yeah. yes. So are you still, I mean, is it Bob? Who do we, who do you deal with over there? Is it Bob? Or do you have somebody? I deal with, I deal with a guy named uh, Mike, who's, I think he's in Michigan. Okay. He's based out of Detroit, which is their home base, by the way, is Detroit. Right. But, uh, and then there's Brian. There's a guy named Brian who is like. You got to know, you got to know the guy's name. You're like, hey, is Bob there? Is Brian there? Otherwise, yeah. you know, it's like, otherwise you get the, uh, you don't get the kind of treatment like you know somebody. <laughs> let's just say i was happy with the rate that yeah well yeah. oh, that's good that's good so then you're going to drive montana wyoming utah the yellowstone park and all that um yeah. you're you're how many miles are you going to put on this car i mean i looked at the map and all i probably should have added it up but i think it's around 1400 1500 total from start to finish 
I'm disgusted. Almost uh, doubling its miles. I mean, I'm it's disgusted. Like, I, mean, I just got it a month ago or <laughs> six, five weeks ago, and it went from 1951. It's got like 2,700 now. Oh, God. I'm disgusted at you, Carl Brower. Uh, but anyway, have fun, whatever it is. All right, that is it. Oh, you shut up. It's No, it's time to go. I know it. Just leave me alone. All right, Carl. See you next week, everybody. (laughs) The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget. Never settle. Never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up with the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC.